0: Stay tuned for a special (laughs) Buckaroo Holiday
1: Buckaroo Holiday
2: Buckaroo Holiday Welcome to a special Buckaroo Holiday. What's so special about it? I don't know.
3: It keeps it dripping and I can't sleep. Bleep. Bloop. Bleep. Bloop. Bleep. Bloop. I guess I never should have ordered clam soup. Bloop. Bleep. Bloop. Bleep. 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 Go to buy a car cheap. Bleep. 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 What is it with the babe next door? What is it? She does to me. What mad kind of thrill do I find looking at her walking? Just walking by, don't know I'm alive And she's driving me out of my loop, bleep, loop, bleep, loop, bleep The faucet keeps it dripping and I just can't sleep I better call a plumber Cause I just can't sleep
2: Heard what makes this episode so special? Obnoxious hijinks like that. Frank Zappa with a section of lumpy gravy that goes by many different names. Oh no, how did that get in here? Etc. And for reasons unknown to even me, I felt it necessary to insert a section of ELP's Carnival 9 in there. Along with a little bit of the art rock suite from National Lampoon's Goodbye Pop album. I don't know. Just being a dick, I guess. Right now, I'm of a mind to play some things that'll probably be familiar to people my age. But let's face it. How many people my age are left? We're gonna hear some blood, sweat, and tears. Then we're gonna hear some spinners. And then, I don't know. I don't know what.
4: And walk through snow and city sleep behind your room Sometimes in winter Forgotten memories Remember you behind the trees With leaves that cry the window once awaited for you, laughing slightly you would run, trees alone would shield us in the meadow, making love in the evening sun, now you're gone. And the lampposts call your name I can hear them In a spring of frozen rain Now you're gone, girl And the times slow down till dawn It's a cold room And the walls ask where you've gone Sums in winter, I wish the empty streets would fill with laughter from your tears to ease my pain.
5: Locomotive mesure à peine un centimètre. C'est Myrméléo En parcourant la prairie, on peut encore entendre quatre représentants du même genre que leur chant seul suffit à reconnaître. Honte à toi qui, la première, m'a appris la trahison Et d'horreur et de colère m'a fait perdre la raison Et d'horreur et de colère m'a fait perdre la raison Honte à toi, femme à l'œil sombre, dont les funestes amours On enseveli dans l'ombre, mon printemps et mes beaux jours On t'enseveli dans l'ombre, mon printemps et mes beaux jours C'est ta voix, c'est ton sourire, c'est ton regard corrupteur Qui m'ont appris à maudire jusqu'au semblant du bonheur Qui m'ont appris à maudire jusqu'au semblant du bonheur C'est ta jeunesse et tes charmes qui m'ont fait désespérer Et si je doute des larmes, c'est que je t'ai vu pleurer Et si je doute des larmes, c'est que je t'ai vu pleurer Ah, j'étais encore aussi simple qu'un enfant Comme une fleur à l'aurore Mon cœur s'ouvrait en t'aimant Comme une fleur à l'aurore Mon cœur s'ouvrait en t'aimant Certes ce cœur sans défense Tu s'en n'être abusé Mais lui laisser l'innocence Etait encore plus aisé Mais lui laisser l'innocence Etait encore plus aisé À toi, tu fus la mère de mes premières douleurs, et tu fis de ma paupière, jaillir à la source des pleurs, et tu fis de ma paupière, jaillir à la source des pleurs. Et le coup le sois en sûr, et rien ne l'attarira. Et le sort d'une blessure qui jamais ne guérira, et le sort d'une blessure qui jamais ne guérira. Dans cette source amère Du moins je me laverai Et j'y laisserai j'espère Ton souvenir abhorré Et j'y laisserai j'espère Ton souvenir abhorré Et j'y laisserai j'espère Ton souvenir abhorré
2: unmistakable genius of Serge Gainsbourg. That's from his second album, so pretty early, before we get into all that smutty stuff. And as mentioned before, we had Could It Be I'm Fallen in Love by the spinners from Detroit by way of Philadelphia. Sometimes in winter, Steve Katz's masterpiece for Blood, Sweat and Tears... I did a compilation for myself one time of all the Steve Katz songs that were done by Blood, Sweat, and Tears. There weren't a whole bunch of them, but they're almost all terrific, that one being the best of all.
6: Heard a choo-choo say to a railroad track, don't care if passengers are white or black. Ho, 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 use your brain, you can learn common sense from a railroad train.
4: And I'll
0: never Are you Christians or Jews?
1: Three months of the year Oh, I wish I was old And the future was clear But I sit and I think in the gloom Of that once lovely now lonely room
0: The sky, you reach out, you reach out, but it's too high, it's too high. Will you settle? Will you settle? Will you settle? Will you settle? Will you settle settle? for that water touched by land? The sun has blessed you Yes, mine from the start If I told you Never fallen so hard So hard Yes, it's been my fault by so tired by the same touching
2: Pretty thing called the Sun from a band called The Pretty Things. Everybody's heard of them, but I don't know that I don't know that I ever spent much time listening to them. I think I listened to the wrong stuff because the more stuff I do hear, the more I like. And before that, I played a song that I consider to be pretty strong medicine it's by a performer named Twinkle. That was the pseudonym of an Englishwoman named Lynn Ripley. She had a couple of hits in the mid-60s under the Twinkle name that were kind of girl group Shangri-La's type of things, the tragic teen melodrama. And then she, uh, while still a teenager, dropped out of the music business. She didn't like it, stayed out of it for a couple of years. But then in the uh, early 70s, she was in a relationship with an actor named Michael Hanna, and he died in a plane crash, and she turned to music to express her overwhelming grief, recorded a bunch of tracks that remained unreleased until just a few years ago. She died herself just about five years ago from liver cancer. The songs are great, and I think emotionally really potent. It's it, it's naked stuff. It's just straight up. And because of the circumstances of the recordings, um, sitting in the vault all these years, maybe they were never intended to be released, I don't know. But there's a few sonic issues, but it shouldn't stop you from listening to it. It's, there's some wonderful songs on there. Started off with a piece for piano by a Russian composer named Nikolai Kapustin, who also performed it. You can clearly hear a jazz impulse there, although he never considered himself a jazz pianist. He wrote these very virtuosic classical pieces in the jazz style. That was from a piece called Eight Concert Etudes.
7: I could love you more and more each day for a million years Then I'd sit around all day just crying happy tears To dance and sing my life away like the one i with you My darling softly to me Orange, sugar, chocolate, hot cinnamon, and lovely things in you And darling, you know there was really nothing else that I could do But dance and sing my life away i laughing with you My darling, softly to me And my darling, you will never know how elegant you'll always be to me and, my darling, I was so in love It's evident for anyone to see And I suppose they probably already do And how come so suddenly Everything depends on you To dance and sing my life away and love with you My darling, softly to me And if I kissed you once, I'd probably do it again. But then that's not so inconceivable, my friend. The dance and sing my life away. And with you, my time softly to me.
8: Hello. No.
2: And his band, Japan With visions of China No social commentary intended there I just like the song He was still very much in the uh, Brian Ferry kind of mode at that time He's done all sorts of things In his career Japan's early stuff was very glammy And then his later stuff was very eclectic Sometimes in, in a kind of Mark Hollis vein Talented guy Before that we heard Love From the album Da De Capo, De Capo I don't know Depends on what you're talking about, I guess. strumming the guitar or running the mafia? I had a conversation with a friend one time about love. Clearly, it was Arthur Lee's band. He was the guy. He was the majordomo. We know from interviews with people like uh, Jack Holtzman testified to his complete control in the studio and how brilliant he was. But it's funny that Brian McLean, who wrote that song and a couple of the other love favorites, like Alone Again or and a few others, brian McLean was never the driving force that arthur was but without brian McLean, arthur lee's stuff never sounded quite the same as it did on those great love albums you can hear on the uh, first album after the original band broke up that album for sale some of the songs still have the uh, forever changes kind of feel but instead of that sophisticated symphonic music it much more hard rock, lots of guitar notes, lots of drumming. And it's a good album. It's a re- real good album. But whatever it was, you know, I think Brian McLean brought that uh, Bee Gees touch and I think influenced Arthur to sing with that Johnny Mathis-type vocal style that he sometimes affected in those days. I don't know. Just one of those things where the two of them together made a very special combination. And at top was a piece by the Australian composer Percy Granger who was a real weirdo. He made very accessible music like the piece that was drawn from that that was a movement of a orchestral band piece called Lincolnshire Posy. Was also a big S&M freak and um, had a great interest in what he called free music, kind of an automatic system of creating music many, many years before synthesizers made a lot of these kind of explorations more feasible. He had this contraption uh, that he built to facilitate these free compositions. It's a fascinating study. Percy Granger, I love a lot of his music. Before I go any further, I just wanted to mention something on a personal note. You know, I really dig slapstick. As a kid, I was hung up on Charlie Chaplin. You know, those, uh, those great short films before he moved on to features, so Easy Street, The Immigrant, The Rink, all those. Because you know, that's life to me. That you got this poor character, he's like storm tossed, he's got no prospects, struggling along, improvising his path through the world of brutes and scumbags and rough happenstance and and he does it with such beauty and grace and this preposterous humor. You know, that's uh inspiring to me you know and funny and later on i got into the three stooges and that's a whole different thing you know these guys were real morons but they tumbled through the world of wise guys and pretentious fools with this beatific idiocy that carried them you know so these are my role models you know especially because they made me laugh and that is the great thing I'm not exaggerating much when I tell you that what gets me through life right now, right now, is the Impractical Jokers. I swear to you. And there's a lot of uh, lesser slapstick performers and people who used slapstick and other situation comedies and things, and they use the kind of standard bits, and some of those pretty lame. Like, uh, The First Moron... Right? He's intently performing some task, and he's oblivious to this other moron who's continually undoing it. You know, like one guy's stacking up bricks, the other guy's tearing the bricks down, each one completely in their own world. So this attempted task is repeated over and over, the mounting frustration. It's supposed to be funny, but it's uh, just tedious. You know, it's a, To me, it's a direct and accurate analogy to life. My career in music is a precise example. But any humor in it is very short-lived, usually, you know. It's just like, all right, enough already, you know. And there's other kinds of shtick, standard bits that just make no sense. Like the guy with the garden hose, you know, he's got a garden hose or a fire hose, and he's trying to use it, and it ain't working. So he, like, looks into the end of the hose, and suddenly the water bursts forth. The hose turns into this uncontrollable dervish jerking, twirling and spewing this guy's doing his frenzied dance with it, trying to control it usually he lands flat on his ass staring at the camera, defeated exasperated yeah, it's stupid, that doesn't happen well, guess what it happened to me in the shower the other day, I'm trying to rinse shampoo out of my hair, and I took the shower head off of its cradle, and whoosh, the fucking thing went apeshit, and I couldn't gain control. You know, so he ran this aged wreck, slick with soap and blinded by Neutrogena T-gel, wrestling with this possessed shower attachment, whoosh, 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 everywhere, it's at the ceiling, the walls, the, it's, it's, you know, flying around of its own volition, and... Eventually regained what we naively call control, but until that moment in Hamina, Hamina. So my assumption was wrong. You know, always it's always a good lesson to learn. And uh, I don't know. Now I, mean, I got to test it. I think I'm gonna go hurtle down the sidewalk on a wagon or something like that. To you know? so achieve a recklessly high speed and see if any pedestrians that I hit fly up into the air and land with a boom. with... Tweety birds and stars circling their heads. Could be fun. A cue entitled, Love is Everything, from the movie Up the Down Staircase, starring Sandy Dennis, and that was written by Fred Carlin, who wrote a lot of things you've heard all your life, things for television, things for movies. One of my favorite things he did was the sterile cuckoo, which included the great song, Come Saturday Morning. I should really play that. I think I will. But anyway, for current purposes, that was preceded by... A killer, killer record from 10 years ago by Aloe Black, I Need a Dollar. 10 years ago, but it could have been yesterday, it could have been 50 years ago, it's just an absolute classic. Everything about it is great, his vocal, his lyric, his the arrangement, can't say enough about it, the attitude in the song, so true, so, so free of cliche and cheap sentimentality politicking. Man, good work, Allo. And you heard Red Lady from Phil Cordell, English performer. Never really achieved stardom, but um, had a career, still has a career as far as I know. Cut that record back in 1969. And the first thing we played in that little section was Egisto Macchi, Italian composer of film music and primarily library music, which that was... An example of it was intended to evoke the beguiling movements of a millipede from a library album concerned with animal life and nature in general. I think that's a superb piece of music. It's as good as anything you can hear in a concert hall these days, to say the least.
0: Saturday morning, I'm going away with my friend We'll Saturday spend till the end of the day Just I am my friend We'll travel for miles in our Saturday smile
2: An old favorite from 1977, Liverpool's own deaf school. The title track from their second album, Don't Stop the World. I was thinking about this um, situation we're in, you know, the house, housebound, quarantine crap that we're all enduring. And, you know, things pop into your head um, that might be appropriate to play. And I thought of uh, another song of theirs called... Uh, what a way to end it all! But I'm actually not that pessimistic about this whole thing, so I just thought, well, let me do this one because it actually uh, it's it's a more optimistic point of view, and it actually includes a reference to that other song in the lyrics. And then right before that was another song from the same period of time. It was a single I had, God Godball kind of record, a band called Alternative TV led by Mark Perry, who founded the punk zine Sniffin' Glue. Jules Holland on piano, Life After Life, it's a cool single. And then at the top, Come Saturday Morning, very nostalgic song for me. From the sweet spot of my childhood, I guess. From the movie The Sterile Cuckoo, sung by the Sandpipers. Exemplars of a genre I call groovy square or hip square. I think I've talked about it before, and I want to play some more of this stuff. I may do a special segment on it. I can't get enough of it, really. Sideburn music, Nehru music. But that's a beautiful song. Lyrics by Dory Previn, who we'll we'll have to confront one of these days on here. You know. Thinking of Dory Previn reminds me of something. It's one of the things that happens to you, I guess, when you're exploring stuff like all of this off-the-beaten-track kind of pop music. You know, one time I was checking out this English band, Justine, they were called, kind of a hippie psych thing. They had some good stuff, you know, entertaining. They had an American singer in the band named Laurie Stivers. And after the band broke up, she cut a couple of albums for Warner Brothers. So I've listened to it, it's modest kind of stuff, it's typical of the early 70's, nothing to stop the presses over, but she had talent. And uh, I'll play one of her better numbers in a moment, but I was interested in her and I read a few things, and there are only a few things to read. And one of them was a consumer guide entry by Robert Crisco, who's been sneering at people's work for nearly as long as I've existed. He's been calling himself the dean of American rock critics since the Bronze Age. You, you know his stuff, I'm sure he he writes or he did anyway, for I don't know if he still does, but he did these terse little summaries of albums, you know, with a letter grade attached to them. It's because he's, you know, not just a critic, he's a music critic and not just that, he's a rock music critic and moreover, he's a, an American rock music critic and more again, he's the dean of American rock music critics and when you're the dean you have authority to grade people's work and you know I'm all I'm all for good music writing could be critical stuff or documentary stuff or even wanky kind of creative writing bullshit like my old pal my late pal Nick Tosh sometimes wrote but you know I've learned about a lot of great music from such stuff and with Chris Gow, he announces genres that he hates ahead of time, like Irish folk. He can't stand it. So I guess that's being kind of honest, just like I can't get too hot and bothered over a lot of the African pop that he seemed to be pretty obsessed with back when I was regularly reading The Voice. But some of that stuff caught me, so I was glad to have learned about it. And he's capable of sound insights into some stuff, like he was, he's always had a pretty good take on Steely Dan. And, you know, anyone can blow it or be short-sighted or just have tastes that are incompatible with uh, those of the reader. But this guy, he just seems to think he's right all the time, and that's a bore. And sometimes when he thinks he's right about something he doesn't like, he's so unnecessarily withering and snotty and obnoxious about it, you just want to tear the paper up. Anyhow, here's a thing he wrote about uh, one of Laurie Stiver's albums back, I think, around 1970. Normally, I ignore records as rightfully obscure as this one, but I thought it was time I mentioned that our hippest record company is getting more complacent all the time. Just how many L.A. airheads can we stand? Stivers is the kind of person who makes me like junkies. You know, the baby you want to steal candy from. So trite and pretty poo in her fashionably troubled adolescence that you hope she chokes on her own money. One line says it all. Quote, There just aren't words for the songs of the people who really feel. Oh, shut up, Laurie. Thus spake Robert Criscow. What kind of fucking asshole decides that this is the kind of thing to type and put your name on and publish? You know, this is a paycheck for Robert Criscow. He's a vicious creep. And he set the template for many, many more... And, you know, for every check that's cashed by acute socio-cultural observers like them, for every piece of typing that's assigned to them by nice progressive publications, there's a uh, periodic statement that's sent by some label to some artist, and it itemizes the losses, which sadly prevent payment to artists who don't luck into the sunny realms of success. And Lori Stivers never did. She came to a sad early end. 1997, alcoholism, but I don't know the circumstances. But people make their choices in life, and her fate, you know, wasn't wasn't the fault of one asshole review or a thousand asshole reviews, and it wasn't the fault of no reviews or few reviews. But things like that do make this rough road that we're on that much shittier and that much harder. And why? And what for? What's the reason? You know, when you're trying to do something as harmless as singing songs, you know, instead of being evaluated, you're insulted, degraded, you know, diminished, mocked. And these days it happens if you release an album, you know, anybody can review it on Amazon or another one of these fucking sites, or uh, YouTube, you know, and everybody spouts their um, snark and their bile. So fuck Robert Crisco and his ilk. And inappropriate or not, a toast to Lori Stivers. And here's her song, Beat the Reaper. Nobody will.
9: What do you want from From life? To love and somebody you can trust. What do you want from life? What do you want? To try and be happy while you do Do the the nasty nasty things?
8: things.
6: a silken ghost thread I gazed with troubled vision on an awful poster bed Where Eleanor had risen to kiss the neck below my head And bid me come along with her to the land of the dancing dead But it's alright the Love and beauty, like a mother to a son, like living, and dying, and seeing and being and all rolled into one. And all at once, I heard some music playing in my bones the same old song I'd heard for years, reminding me of home. But it's all right. Licking lips with tons of fire, a host of golden demons, screaming lust and beast desire, and when it seemed for certain that the screams could get no higher, I heard a voice above the rest, screaming you're a liar, but it's all.
2: I recognize that mandolin from some of Rod Stewart's big hits. And that was Scotland's Lindisfarne with their song Lady Eleanor. It's their entry into the uh, surprisingly populous subgenre of male protagonists exploring complicated sexual relationships with women involved with the arcane arts of the occult. I'll give you some examples. Love Potion number nine. Was it the Coasters and who else did it? Some English band, right? The Searchers? Frank Zappa's Camarillo Willow. The Eagles' Witchy Woman. Eyesight to the Blind by The Who via Sonny Boy Williamson. At all. So I'm wondering if there's a distaff equivalent. Not much comes to mind. Maybe Magic Man by Hart? I imagine it might be up Stevie Nicks' alley. I haven't spent enough time up Stevie Nicks' alley to know if it's true or not. Anyway, Lindisfarne was a good band. Alan Hull wrote some decent songs, had a nice solo album called Pipe Dream, and there you go. Then we had uh, the Sopwith Camel, which is one of the few of those Fillmore-era San Francisco bands that I really have any interest in. It's a blind spot for me, that music. You know, there's some tracks by The Dead that I like. There's some tracks by Jefferson Airplane that I like. So forth. I just, I don't know. So that song was a latter-day Sopwith Camel record. Early 70s, I think it was. But also from the Bay Area. And uh, a band I kind of liked, in and out, kind of, was the Tubes. They're from their first album with What Do You Want From Life not an especially rare song but I haven't heard it in a while and I felt like it that was a real good album I like the second one too the tubes had a very original act they did a they did a pictorial restyles was real naked in it um, I don't know whether it was playboy uh, magazine or something I don't know kept me busy for a while along with thoughts of stacia from hawkwind but you know I was a teenager come on come on and we started with poor Lori Stivers. You know that spiel I did about Crisco. I mean these things to be taken in a bigger sense, um, in a wider sense than just the specific example. You know, Crisco is not alone in being an obnoxious prick. I think a lot of people really enjoy it. It's some kind of status or power to just insult people, to just be that way. It happens to individuals, and it happens to, toward groups. I understand the impulse. I think it's human. I don't understand not growing out of it. Like two things you hear a lot these days, is, uh, you might have people putting down the millennial stereotype, living in the parents' basement. Well, who cares? Let them. What do you? What do you care where they live? Another one like that is the participation trophy thing. I get the theory behind it, but you know what? What's wrong with the participation trophy? You know, you force some kid to involve himself in some sports activity. He struggles through it and deals with the abuse of the more aggressive types and endures it and gets through it doesn't win the game or the match or whatever they call it, do so they give them a trophy? Like, here, you got through it. I think that's fine. You know, maybe they should give them performance medals for music for people who have no aptitude for that. You know, if they're making you do it mandatory, as opposed to some elective that you do after school and among your fellow enthusiasts, if you're forced to do it as a class, give them a trophy. So, you know, you know, make fun of Walmart people, quote-unquote. Make fun of vegans, you know, make fun of whatever. It's, what the fuck, you know? So that's what I meant. And that wasn't specifically against Chris Gow, because who cares about him? And a lot of the stuff that I spiel about is... I mean, I hope it's heard that way. I think, like, last time I was talking about prayer, um, religion, and talking about the... Uh, How, for some people, the rosaries become meaningless repetitions. I meant... I meant that to be understood as an analogy for... the stuff people spout with their political opinions, particularly. It also applies to cultural things. Musical taste. All that shit. I wasn't criticizing faith. You know, just... Anyway. That You know that Frank Sinatra line? Some people get their kicks stomping on a dream. That's the thing that really galls me. And that's where the Laurie Stivers thing really hit a nerve. Because you see me? Me, for example? Take me. I'm with Elvis.
0: weary. Time to sing a song. But when
2: try to cut down my blabbing a little bit. Gets out of hand, you know. I don't have a lot more show to burn. I mean, I could go as long as I want, really. But uh, I get sick of hearing my own voice, you know. I get as sick of hearing myself as I get sick of hearing about the coronavirus. So I'm just going to tell you what you heard and move on. The <laughs> Last thing was broadcast. Come on, let's go. And before that, you heard John Coltrane with Naima. 1959, I believe that was. And then prior to that was one you probably never heard of, most of you. Well, Jim Allen did, but I don't know what the rest of you. New Dreams. It was Dave Van Ronk playing with a group called the Hudson Dusters, a New York City band that I think was named after one of those um, gangs of New York, you know? Yeah, in fact, I know who it was. But that was the time when everybody was starting to do this. Uh, all these folkies were starting to try to incorporate the rock thing or expanding their sonic horizons uh, in the wake of Dylan. You know, Phil Oaks started doing all that very elaborate work, etc. Dave Van Ronk is somebody I don't really care for very much. I, I don't enjoy his records. I don't like his voice. But that, that album's interesting because the Hudson Dusters, I'd like to hear more of their stuff. I don't know if any exists. I had this kind of cool yet dorky, jazzy influenced whatever you want to call it and it made, it made it interesting so that was that now i'm yapping again we started out with elvis presley from tupelo well you know about him there's a bbc recording from the kinks see my friends which i haven't in a long time
10: my true love is gone i'll wait side. Alas, till he's by my side. Then tears on my pillow, they
0: Everybody's got to learn something Everybody's got to
8: learn something Everybody's got to learn something
2: corgis were andy davis and james warren from stackridge and they had some success with that song everybody's got to learn sometime i think it might have been 1980 or thereabouts they did a couple albums under that name and then later on reformed stackridge and they were involved in a whole lot of other projects and sessions over the years especially andy davis although i find his stackridge work more interesting than any of these people i um I can think off the top of my head, he played on John Lennon's Imagine album, played with Tears for Fears, and uh, I saw him in New York, just unexpectedly, in a small venue, playing with a band called Goldfrap some years back. But that record was a big hit and has been covered by a lot of people. Everybody's got to learn sometime. A number of shows back, I played something by Jerry Southern, I Thought of You Last Night, See, I kinda I can remember some of the stuff I've played in these shows, but I'm starting to forget. A lot of times I go to put something in and I'm like, did I use that already? And that may happen, because, you know, not getting any younger. But Jerry Southern with a beautiful number, I'll wear the green willow. Before Jerry we had Night Jewel, which is actually a Los Angeles performer named Ramona Gonzalez. And I think that's about ten years old, called We Want Our Things. And at first it was The Kinks, of course. That was a BBC recording of my current favorite. I switch them up a lot. Sometimes it's till the end of the day. Sometimes it's Victoria. You know, it's The Kinks, for Christ's sake. We're over the two-hour mark. Maybe I'll end with something kind of offbeat. I love the De Power chorus. Remind me to talk about them next time. But here they are. I'm going to go out with this one because it's, uh, I don't know, rousing. And I want you to be roused don't give up the ship. You know it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Meantime, thank you for listening to Buckaroo Holiday. Stay well. Stay safe. Love y'all.
5: heure dans les prairies de montagne, on peut entendre une autre espèce très proche.